Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special holiday version of the Saturday Friends Club. Shalom. <laughs> Mazel tov. I don't uh, think Jewish people believe in Santa Claus. I mean, it's I don't just think they do. Do, do yeah, you want me to just roll to a so. different intro? I could. Uh, I don't have the spooky one or the other one loaded up. Dreidel, it's like... dreidel, dreidel. Actually, I actually know Hava Nagila better da, than Dreidel. Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila. You know, funny story. Uh, not so much funny as it is just kind of tongue-in-cheek humor of my own. But when I was using dating apps back in the day, and if somebody ever asked me if I was the top, I'd say no, but I dreidel. <laughs> Because <laughs> being of Jewish descent, that was technically oh correct. My God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hello, welcome to the Saturday Friends Club. We're a bunch of dirty pervs. No, just me. And it's also it's also Hanukkah. Hooray for Hanukkah. Yeah, Hanukkah. It's time to celebrate Hanukkah. Han- Hanukkah. I mean, at least Hanukkah lasts a good amount of time. Christmas is like one day. Hanukkah's like Eight. Eight. Yeah. Festival of Lights. Mm-hmm. All, I, everything I know about Hanukkah is from the Adam Sandler song. That's Ugh, terrible. Gross. I know, but this is what this is the life that is in my brain. I, I like I don't I, I can't speak for the Jewish community, but I can only imagine they've disowned him by now. <laughs> can you do that? I, you know, I'm the wrong person to absolutely ask because after my parents' divorce, that was no longer an opportunity for me to do anything relating to my Jewish heritage. Yeah. Well, anyway, hi, I'm Josh. Sabrina's here. Hello. We've got Eric. I'm here. Kyle's here. Uh-huh. And uh, we're here, you know, as a, celebrating Hanukkah. You know? Hey. Yeah, just just like the Fonz. <laughs> like the Fonz celebrates Hanukkah. The Fonzica. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps the shark for to, to get the oil for your lamps. Uh, yeah, he's going to jump the shark over the second temple. <laughs> uh, so, yes, um... Welcome to the Saturday Friends Club. We we watch stuff so you don't have to. Um, you should watch this though. <laughs> uh, t- today's choice uh, is very is is Hanukkah esque in the fact it does involve j- the Jews. It's, it's, there are there are there are Jewish people in it and in involved. a very scary way. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, this is if you want a movie about scary rabbis. Uh, so, um, Eric, this was your choice. What did you choose for us? I have chosen Pi, the 1998 Darren Aronofsky movie. This is his directorial debut. Oh. And it is, it is indie as fuck. Uh, just a little bit. You know, it's got shades of Kevin Smith in this one. <laughs> like, to, like, I'm, I am insulted. It <laughs> is, I, mean, I mean, it is funny in that it is black and white like Clerks. But, I mean, this is like the kind of grainy high contrast. And I think it would be funny to intercut the two. I like the idea of inter- like just his monologue over uh, what's his name like walking around town, just completely just losing his brain. He's just like thirty seven dicks, yeah, <laughs> in a row. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, what's your what's your history with pie? Uh, this, this is a funny one. This, this is a this is a nineties. This is a very nineties one. Nineteen ninety eight. I rec- I uh, I rented this from a movie store. I want to say on DVD in like a, I'm sure like a you know like a, a dinged up old jewel case, um, but we had a I think I'm, I don't know if it was Blockbuster or our local Video Maniacs, but I just saw this movie on the shelf and I was like, huh, this looks cool. You saw a movie that's cover is an eye and the pie symbol and went, this sounds like my jam. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is Eric we're talking about. Be true. Do, do you think I'm like a math nerd? Like. <laughs> 
I'm terrible at math. No, I just think you're a nerd. No, it's... Oh, it's... yeah. <laughs> oh, well, oh, boy. You that... wound me, Sabrina. You have, you have outed me in this podcast. Oh. Well, I, I, I'm going to admit, I've known you a short time, and I consider you a dear friend, but when, when Josh told me that we were watching Pi, I was just like, him. oh, so Eric. <laughs> and that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like this DOS boot and a few more. It's like, hmm. It was, mm. you know, honestly, it was because of the DOS boot. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is the thinking movie. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, but then Sabrina is, like, depending on our next movie. Oh. We'll get You know to that. what? We have completely different <laughs> tastes. I just looked over the top of my glasses movies. at her, like, a, like, a, like an irate librarian. Um, so, yes, I saw this in a movie store just on a whim. I saw it. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. And I was happy that I watched, well, going back and rewatching it, that it still is cool. Good movie. Yep. Anybody else? Had anyone else seen pie pre this pie, before this slice of pie? I had heard about it. Uh, as had I. My sister had nightmares about this movie. This movie and not this like, movie. I thought, oh, okay, it's not other another other Aronofsky. She movie. was for some reason she was spooked out from for about spirals for a while, and I had no goddamn clue why. She should tell. You should give her uh, a a nice like bound copy of Uzumaki. Christmas. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Let me just go ahead and trigger those <laughs> memories back again. Uh, I actually just, had you know a lovable family man, Junji Ito. <laughs> um, I had zero experience with actually seeing this movie growing up, which would have been a perfect time for me to see it too, because it was just when I was getting into high school. But uh, I was big into the electronic music scene at the time, and Ooh, this was let us oh. let us engage in a discussion about the soundtrack of this movie and how it just fucking owns. Yeah, it fully about- owns, and I had been familiar with it before I had ever even heard of the movie. There is there is Aphex Twin on this on this soundtrack. This soundtrack like it, it just crushes it. I I talked to someone. A friend of mine's quote is. Oh man, this is like play. This is like bringing me back to the first Unreal tournament. <laughs> it's, oh god, it's yeah. a like, lot of just like prodigy fire starter. Yes, just like one hundred percent. Totally that weird. Like in the late nineties, we thought that like EBM was like that's like the future. Now, what it makes me think of is I played a lot of that game Wing Commander Prophecy, which came out the same year as this, and also had that uh, had a European like EBM band called Cobalt Sixty doing the soundtrack. And it just sounds exactly like this. It's so good. All music during like the late late '90s was, was like this. this. It was it all was... like that. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's awesome. I unironically love this. I this is just this is the late '90s, and this to me in the same way that like uh, that like Bauhaus and Peter Murphy are like '80s new wave kind of vampire for me. So yeah, love it. Soundtrack, fantastic. I love how for him it's specifically new wave vampire. Oh, well, <laughs> instead of just new wave. I, oh yeah, I'm, I'm talking specifically about like Vampire the Masquerade, which oh, okay. is the role playing game, which has like as epigraphs for the chapters are like Bauhaus quotes, and right. it's just like I have my vampire playlist. It's like it's like Peter Murphy, Bauhaus, um, uh, uh, uh Fade to Gray, Susie and the Banshees. Yep. Uh, this all all great vampire music. 
Well, how about we get down to it? Let's talk about uh, trying to see the numbers in all things. Let's talk about trying to figure out the stock market and finding out that there may be a 216-digit number that controls everything. Let's talk about taking a drill to your skull. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Pi. 1814. Hit record. Twelve forty-five. Restate my assumptions. is all that (laughs) i feel i really do feel like i have heard that like particular sting like a billion times like like video game trailers have just been in it for for, like years it's late 90s as i said just like it brings me right back i love it well let's go ahead and talk about this pie stylized as the actual symbol of pie is a 1998 american psychological thriller film written and directed by darren aronofsky and his directorial debut i, I will just say if you if, if you've heard the name before it sounds familiar he is the director for such movies as requiem for a dream which is a like crushingly depressing movie uh and if you've seen that movie before you will recognize his little directorial notes in this movie this movie is not as not as, as crushing, though. Yes. Uh, Pi was filmed on high-contrast black-and-white reversal film and earned Aronofsky the Directoring Award at the 1998 Sundance Film Festival, the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Screenplay, and the Gotham uh, Open Palm Award. So this this hit a lot of awards early. And like a, I'll, I'll start with the top. This movie had a $68,000 budget. So it is, it is a low-budget, high-art High pretension movie. Oh God, yes, is it pretentious? Oh well, shit, so so good. <laughs> um, so I, I, I will just point out we we usually go through the Wikipedia summary. Uh, the one for it is very scattered, so I was I was going to uh, kick it from my head, as they say. Sure. Uh, so the movie begins uh, with our main character. His name is Max Cohen. He is a unemployed uh, number theoretician or theoretician. Uh, he, he like and he lives in an apartment in New York City. He is this kind of like disturbed lone genius. Uh, kind of loner character uh, and he has a very he has a very like fictional computer built in his apartment um and he's, he he experiments with numbers and does n- numerology like a number research and everything and he's seen his it's revealed early on that his goal is that he's kind of this obsessive genius and he believes that there are there are mathematical patterns underpinning everything that happens in nature and thus he thinks his big prize is he wants to find the pattern that undergirds the stock market and uh, I, yeah, so he's he's this kind of you know obsessive genius um, who's looking for this, and he has very little contact with the outside world. Like his neighbors kind of try to befriend him, sort of. Um, who his next door neighbor, Debbie, and she kind of is trying to be nice to him, but he's just you know pushes people away, and he only really talks to uh, his older mentor. There's another uh, like a math professor 
who's kind of who's uh, kind of help him along. Yeah, he also suffers from like some really debilitating yeah. syndromes like cluster headaches, paranoia, hallucinations, etc. Yeah, he's uh, he suffers from some, some interest. So he's got kind of a he's somewhat of an unreliable narrator, an unreliable view for the viewer. Um, but uh, at some point, he is he is he's kind of going about. He he, he has a, there's a big speech where he says like restate my assumptions, and he talks about like he everything can be represented by numbers. Uh, if you take any system and look at it, there are patterns in it inevitably. Thus, there have to be patterns in the stock market, and thus I can find them. And so that's kind of what his his goal is. And he's kind of built his own supercomputer to do work for him and and do that kind of thing. Um, but kind of on a whim. He starts thinking about like uh, what if he used some specific ideas of how to program uh, and try to figure out what the pattern is. Uh, his, he runs the final program and his computer like seemingly at random spits out a 216-digit number and crashes. Um, he's unable to figure out what this means, and his computer literally like the, the his his processor explodes. Uh, and <laughs> we'll get into it later what happens, but. Um, he takes the. He looks. He's looking at the printout, and he like just can't figure out. So he just throws it in a trash can at a park, um, and he goes and talks to his mentor, who's this kind of older guy who lives alone, but he's a mathematical genius. And he mentions it, and it kind of gets him thinking. And he mentions, oh, you know, back in my day, I did some work on the number pi, um, and I had I ran something similar. But he doesn't really make him think of it first. Um, uh, but he he sees that Max is kind of like getting too deep into this. Um, and this whole time, Max has been running into this very pushy, like, uh, Hasidic Jewish guy at the, like, diner he goes goes to. The guy is very clearly like, oh, hey, what's going on? Let me talk to you. And like, getting into his face about it. And, like, uh, doing and having similar conversations where it's like, hey, you know that the Jewish language actually is numerology yeah. itself, where, you know, and, and he, kind of engaging in this way that nobody would ever actually talk. He's very clear. Well, I think he's very clearly meant to be like, I'm trying to pick his brain kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But he does get into this. Uh, there's a concept called gematria, which is, which is Jewish like numerology based on the Torah. And it's the idea that certain like letters and in some traditions, words have a numerology, have a number value. Like if you go the, the, the first letter of the alphabet, like the Aleph is a is one bet is beta is you know, B is two, so on and so forth. And then it's a, there's all, I, I looked into this. I, I, I spoke to, Act, like uh, someone who actually knows something about this and it's like yeah there's a million different traditions there is christian numerology too mm -hmm. they did oh you know certain words of value and if you add this then this there's patterns but it's as real as you want to make it so, yes um it so, might be reading a little bit too much between the lines quite, to try and draw conclusions quite perhaps but the, the idea is the guy gets Max thinking they're like, oh, you know, he just like I just happen to also be a number theorist who works with the Torah. Hey, you want to come by the temple? Want to get the tefillin on? We'll have these like join a ceremony. Come on, join us. Da, 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 da. He's very clearly like pushing him in a certain direction. Meanwhile, there's also an organization that's re reaching out to him. Yes, uh, the other thing that like Max is as he goes about his day to day life, there's an, an incredibly pushy woman working for a like a uh, what is it the name for it? It's like predictive strategy firm. Uh, that keeps like, oh, Max, we should go have lunch sometime. Just five minutes of your time. And, like, we should really talk about something. And he keeps telling them, to, like, to fuck off. Um, so, clearly, there are people trying to get at Max's attention. Um, and, uh, and so, as that kind of develops, um, eventually what happens is the predictive strategy firm eventually, like, kind of tracks him out. And it's like, all right, like, 
you work for us, we'll give you this. And they pull out like a, like a computer chip and a padded like steel briefcase like it's a thing full of money. And it's supposed to be some sort of ultra-powerful like military-grade microprocessor mm-hmm. uh, that's not even declassified yet, as they say. Because they want his, they want what he's talking about, um, and he 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 finally agrees. He plugs the chip into his computer since his old uh, processor was fried. And there's a, there's an interesting scene where he takes the old processor out, and there are like ants attacking it and attacking like the like the liquefied remains of the processor. And he looks at the remains under a microscope, and there's like spirals in the in the goo that it's uh, melted down into. Yeah, and there's some details about like the the. Like the golden ratio and and like how spirals are important. Um, meanwhile, like he's still ha- he's having more and more of like these catastrophic what are called like suicide headaches, which yes. are like supposedly one of the most painful things that you can ever encounter. He, yeah, he well he it's also established that he yeah he has these incredibly powerful migraines that incapacitate and incapacitate him and kind of send him into this like hallucinatory fugue state. I guess I'm saying that right. Um, and so he he has this crazy like giant like injector device uh, which is supposed to help him fight these headaches, and and he he has hallucinations when they when they come on. He has he has some hallucinations that there are these people following him, and there's other weird things that he sees. Uh, but his his friend Saul, the the older guy, is, keeps warning that you're going too quickly. You're getting too obsessed with this. Um, but eventually he. He, uh, he he programs this computer and it makes these predictions of the stock market, which are in, seem incredibly crazy, but they end up coming true. Uh, that these stocks keep crashing like precipitously, and eventually, same thing. He uses the powerful chip. He gets, spits out the same string of numbers. The computer implodes again, um, and but they 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 kind of display that that he looks into the numbers and suddenly realizes that there's a pattern, uh, and at this point, it starts kind of messing with his head. Um, Eventually, he's yeah he he realizes that he's onto something, and then both uh, the the predictive strategy from send like goons to kidnap him basically, and he's saved by the Hasidic Jews, uh, the numerologists, who like run in and save him at the last minute as he's about to be shot, um, and it's re- it's finally revealed that they are, they are like a, a a cult that's been looking for this n- particular number, and that going off the idea that every letter has a number, it's that this is a two hundred sixty character number which is the true name of god and they relate it back to the original temple and that the the high priest would intone the name of god every year to uh, to uh, uh, you know assure that they're they are still the favored chosen people and that when the when the the final temple the temple is destroyed it the knowledge of this of the true name of god was left was um was lost the idea was each year that they did this and it was that they reaffirmed that they were still the chosen people was that they came a year closer to the messianic age when, you know, the end of the world is coming. And so it turns out that, like, he's accidentally discovered this buried in Pi and in the stock market, and he's kind of realizing that it's, like, this number undergirds everything around him. And that he, but he realizes then he actually understands the pattern inherent in it. So he's able to, like, predict the future in ways. He starts, like, making... There's a scene where he's looking at the number, and he looks up at his, like, stock ticker... And he just starts making stock calls, and they're all coming true. 
So he's he's he found the pattern finally. But the but the Hasidic Jews also start stating like, but you're not the right vessel for this. Like this is you are you are not the right person. You need to give it to us because you can't contain this. Yeah, and he realizes, and he says like, no, it's clearly been given to me. He says he says like, you guys have clearly you've just you've typed out every two hundred two hundred sixteen letter number like like, and you've intoned every one of them. And he says it's not the number; it's the meaning behind it. And so he has this he has this knowledge. And this is um in layman's terms, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, the idea if if you look directly upon the countenance of God that like humans can't handle it and it'll like melt Nazis face off faces off. It's the same thing. It's like only someone totally pure could pot can 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 like conceive of this knowledge. And so he quickly realizes that it's causing his headaches to get worse. Uh, and it's like slowly like melting his brain. Basically. Oh yes, let's let's all, not also forget that we hear at least five or six times the story about how he looked into the sun. Yes, yeah, he has the idea, I, but I think <laughs> that's meant to be an allegory for this, where it's like it's this self-destructive search for knowledge, and that because he says like as a kid he just started staring in the sun and he just kept fighting the urge to blink, and he says suddenly like like everything came into focus and like before he went blind for uh, temporarily. Um, but it's same the idea was like if he, he he's looked hard enough into this number into this pattern and suddenly he's been enlightened uh, by it. Uh, but um, he has kind of a final vision of what I think is supposed to be like he momentarily kind of has contact with the supernatural, um, where he imagines himself slowly reading off the number. And at the very end, he realizes that um, I think he. I think the. It's. It's. There's no dialogue at this point, but I think the implication is that he can't handle having this knowledge anymore. And there is a a final, uh, very interesting scene, uh, where he finally has to get the knowledge out of his head in one way or another. Yes, and to which he destroys the computer in a very dramatic fashion, and then finds a drill and puts it in his head. Yes, and he ascends his. At the very end, near towards the end, his mentor kicks him out, but then he discovers his mentor has had a, a final stroke and died. When he goes to his apartment, he's discovered that he went and, like, I think out of a way to try to save Max, he dug up the, the number, but then it caused him to have a stroke. And he previously mentioned that his research caused him to have a stroke. What if we find out that this number is actually the joke, the the, the Monty Python skit for the joke? It's the killer joke, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just oh, the numeric God. form of the killer joke. Yeah. Um, and, and so at the very end of the movie, yes, he, he takes a power drill and trepanates himself. Which there is, there is a like literary significance that is that trepanation is when they would actually drill a hole in your skull because they thought it would it would cure sickness or it would let demons out or something. Or too much pressure. But yeah, it, but, it, if you had too much pressure, they'd let blood out of your head, and they thought that it would help your headache. When I believe it just actually just made you lightheaded. Yeah. So in a spirit, <laughs> but, so in, in this kind of metaphorical sense, it's like he's there's this thing in his head, and he has to let it out. Yeah, and so the very end is this dramatic shot, and then at the very end it shows him in a park, um, and he's like unable to do complex math equations, and he seems kind of dazed and like happy that he's finally out of it, um, and that's kind of the dramatic ending to the movie. Yeah, he scrambled his own eggs. I mean, yep. <laughs> so that's that's the basic plot summary. It's hard to a movie that's kind of hard to describe in a, a run like that, but uh, yes, there's a lot going on in this movie. There sure is. There also, it is very much up its own butt a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I'm not turned off by a necessarily by a pretentious movie. I'm willing to let the movie take me where it's going to lead me. Um, and I think this is an interesting. I think this is an interesting like framing for a kind of a thriller. 
you know, more a little more cerebral cerebral movie. I, I got to admit, I did not dislike this movie at all. I just disliked that I chose to watch it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's bad. It's a movie that you kind of want to sit and you, cause you kind of you have to follow it. It's not like a casual watching movie. Oh, yeah, no, no. I mean, it just, so the reason why it sucked is like uh, it was it was just the experience of watching it because we had somebody sleeping on the couch who was talking in her sleep constantly <laughs> And even with my earbuds in, I could still hear her. And it was just like, okay, now I'm I, I'm not having auditory hallucinations, I swear. But, but granted, there were the points in the movie where, like, there are people quietly talking. That yeah. It's just like, you know, oh, these two people are having sex in the background. And you're like, is, this, is that part of the movie or is that somebody? No, that's part <laughs> yeah, of the that's movie. Just a, that's just apartment life. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yes, yeah, so I mean that's the basic run through of the plot. But I'd, I'd say the the thrust of the movie is the idea that that if you, if there are indeed patterns in nature and then this, uh, that there there's patterns undergird everything, uh, and that's it's 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 a story of like obsession and kind of this drive to figure out the pattern in everything, uh, and kind of like you know the, the he he relates the the very subtle message of Icarus flying too close to the sun. I will also point out that his mentor's name is Saul. Which is son um so telling him this story so he he says like you're you, you're gonna fly too close to the sun and get burned and then it's the idea that yeah there's this there's this knowledge in that it's an esoteric concept that but to know it is like to destroy yourself and the pursuit of which will destroy you well the benefit is that if you need imdb actually has the number fully on display so you yeah, can just use it i've looked at it real hard it doesn't do anything um <laughs> But it was, but I, I did, I thought, like, people point out, that like, oh, the number is 216, which is 6 cubed, which is 6 times 6 times 6. The devil! But it's actually, no, I did actually, that that is, like, only, like, somewhat coincidental. The idea, there's, there is an idea for this, of a, the name of God being this significant thing, and it's everything from the word, from Yahweh to, like, the four-letter, like, tetragrammaton, I think is how you say it. It's a different, different, like, uh, Jewish traditions will... We'll say it's a different form. In this case, apparently, a common one is a a tri- like a triad of seventy-two characters uh, each. So three times seventy-two is two hundred sixteen. So that's the that I think that's more where it came from than like oh the devil. Like there is an actual like there is an actual uh, Hebrew basis for a lot of this in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's clearly like he's taken he done some research. Like here's some cool concepts in uh, in like Orthodox Juda- Judaism, and he's going to spin this into a thriller. Yeah. Um, some other fun parts about this was the fact that they did not get location permits for any part of this <laughs> I can't movie. Imagine no. Uh, they just merely had somebody on lookout so that whenever the cops came, they ran. Yep. <laughs> so hence the reason that they are in like New York subway stations, and they're just like, okay, go film, film. All right, run, get get lots out of here. Of, lots of really tight angles and like lots of shaky cam, which I like. Yeah. Um, I do want to. T- I'll talk about the the kind of the filmmaking aspect of this movie, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, film as we said cost only sixty thousand dollars to make. Much was raised by individual one dollar one hundred dollar contributions uh, for everybody that contributed after it was purchased by Artisan Entertainment. Uh, each contributor got back one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So so I mean I I, I kind of like I think that's really cool. It's a very like especially in the or like you know, late nineties. This is before Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. This is a very this was a very indie movie. This is Aronofsky, who's a well-regarded director. Whether or not you think his movies are like are just a bunch of nonsense, but he's a well-regarded director. He just he can certainly make a very compelling film. And yeah, the, the idea that this movie is like 
filmed on do- like you know made with donations and filmed in this kind of like uh, this kind of pirate way i thought it was really cool yeah but it's it's interesting it's one of those things where like i feel like it's one of those movies that you either like really get and you're like oh this is interesting and you probably go back and watch it several times to pick up like the the like oh i didn't see that first time around yeah. or you know i missed this particular piece um because as said like there's a lot of repetition and there's a lot of like symbolism in this um and then and then i i will say for for a, for a pretentious art movie i will say it explains itself pretty well like i don't think a whole lot is left on the table at the end no i mean you kind of get it so it's it's not like oh this movie doesn't make any sense it never explains anything no they have like a scene where a guy looks like talks out and explains what's going on yeah i mean it's 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 just it's just got the air of kind of pretentiousness to it of just but, like oh you know i it is not shy about being exactly what it is yeah, exactly and, and you know i don't i don't mind that because i i think it's like i i don't think every movie has to just deal with just totally like base level uh like metaphors and everything i'm fine like i don't think this movie is like way out there it just uses kind of an esoteric setting to tell a thrill. It's a, it's a, it's still like kind of a, a thriller. But as me, the person that brought Armageddon to the group <laughs> recently, it's, it's so out there. I can't understand it opposed to this movie about a giant screaming rock. I think I think Armageddon might be the complete opposite of this movie. <laughs> uh, budgetary, acting, uh, concept, being good. Um, so both made money, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Sabrina, what was your feelings on Pi? It's okay. It's not really my type of movie. I get, I get that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an art movie. It's a weird art movie. I mean, I can appreciate art movies, but I don't know. Just this one particularly wasn't my style. I've heard people have recommended Requiem for a Dream to Ooh. me a lot. Ooh. That's um, a, everything I hear about that movie is just like, hope you have like having your day wrecked. It's that's a yeah, heavy movie. Yeah, so I, I will heavy. put my my thought on Requiem at least is that is the only movie that I would ever actually say it's like watch it once and then never again. <laughs> yes, because I've only ever seen it once and I never want to watch it again. Wow. It is, but it's it's not because it's bad. It's because it's really really good at at getting its point across and setting a mood and making you sad <laughs> it, it sounds like it is like a beautiful train wreck where it, it's just like oh it's... this is going to like but a train wreck in the way of like not the not like oh it all fall like not it like is... not that it all falls apart but in the sense of a train wreck where it's like you just can't stop watching you can't yeah. look away you yeah, know yeah, you're it's... watching the destruction happen and you are powerless to stop it yes and it is really 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 well done so i in i pie especially i i really like this movie as i said but i i i don't know if anyone else got this but like this movie it makes makes me anxious to watch it's like I don't know what it is. I think it's like the 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 kind of repetitive, like and very like ominous like backing tracks and like just real tight angles and these surreal nerves. I was watching the movie just like, oh god, what's going? What's gonna happen? <laughs> so I don't know. Like I think this feeling you said of watching Dust Boot, uh, just kind of ambient anxiety in this yeah, movie. Yeah, ambient anxiety is uh, is definitely a thing. And they, I think they did this movie does a very good job of it builds on his paranoia. And the, the movie like keeps picking up the speed very, very gradually until the end, where it's like he's running through the New York subways, and then he's having these hallucinations, and it kind of ends in a climax in a sense. Yeah. Um, 
So you know, I thought I thought this movie is good at building tension, and because it, it starts off very slow, and it's like him talking about math and da 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 da, and it builds it's on builds on itself, and so yeah, the movie I felt is kind of some parts are very disorienting and the kind of anxiety inducing, but in a good way. I thought it was I thought it was effective, and then it just constantly has this in the background. Mm, yeah. If you download just this, if you get this movie soundtrack uh, and you like 90s EBM, this movie, this movie soundtrack will do it for you. Uh, it's got good, it's got, uh, it's got this, it's got a bunch of different artists that you probably recognize. Like a lot of your, like I think that was a big, that's a big like European scene. So I, 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 um, I wanted to suggest this to you if you hadn't seen it yet because mm-hmm. it's kind of on these lines of these movies that we watch where it includes like the ambient anxiety and, and, Things that actually make you think in a way. Have you seen Anon yet on uh, on Netflix? It's a Netflix not, no. original. Okay, good one. It's Clive Owen and it's very cyberpunk Done. in a way. Sold. Yeah, but, no, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, if we ever wanted to do that for a current movie sometime, I, I will. Yeah. But I will always make time for sexy Clive Owen. Oh no, I know, right? Uh, or we could just watch it sometime. You know, as friends, like you do. Gross. <laughs> no, Watching a, things with friends. I'm stri- out. This is a strictly professional no, but, but it's it's one of those kind of like uh, dark. Uh, not only is the movie done in a very monochromatic manner, but it feels like it's a monochromatic type of matter, and it's a very fascinating concept. Yeah, that sounds, so that sounds like a movie I would enjoy. And does, Clive, and does sound Owen. like an Eric movie. I, yeah. will, I will say the most my. The thing I always like to wait if anyone's people know Clive Owen, but they don't know frequently that he is the main character. He was he was the main character in the full motion video cutscenes for the game Privateer Two. So he's like your character is Clive Owen, and it's like young Clive Owen. This is like '95, uh, and in that movie, also in the, sorry in the movies in the game, the bad guy is Christopher Walken. Nice. And one of, <laughs> and one of your allies is John Hurt. Uh, and there's a couple other British TV actors at the time, but yeah, if you want, if you ever want to be like Clive Owen's space mercenary, play Privateer too. Sounds like a game. Um, all right, so I'd say that around we're here, we'd say Pi is a, a decent watch. It's definitely a little bit of a mind trip. It's not for everyone. Um, it's a weird movie. It's a movie you have to kind of pay attention to. Uh, you can easily get lost in it and be like, what is happening? Uh, but it, I, I, said, I think it resolves itself pretty well. I like the idea that it's going at the idea of using, using like the kind of mystery inherent in Pi and some of the unsolved things in mathematics as the kind of basis for a thriller. Uh, I think include, like, I, I don't know. I like, uh, Judeo Christian, like mythology is really interesting to me. All the cool stuff that's in it is not in the Bible. That's what's very, makes me very sad. Um, I don't know. That's anything like that. I mean, I mean, like on some level, Constantine is like that, but uh, it's just that kind of thing. I, I think that's really interesting. Uh, all the weird stuff uh, inherent in that, and so yeah, it's an interesting movie. I think it's very tightly made. Uh, go watch it. It's cool if you want to. All right, that will take care of us for uh, for pie. So there you go, Hanukkah. We have <laughs> take we... that Hanukkah. It's, it's a it's a Hanukkah movie in that it is. There's like some Jewish stuff in it. <laughs> I don't think it, like, it, it's like, the, and some of the bad guys are like Hasidic Jews, who, which, is a, which is a fun twist. I could see that very often. When when will people stop villainizing the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> well, the main, the, but it's, I don't know, this is, I feel like I want to say, like, I want to say this is a very New York movie. Oh, it's, definitely. It's New York. And it's like that, and then like, 
I then I thought, like, what if what if you recut the trailer for this movie, but it was a Woody Allen movie? Oh, and just like <laughs> a goofy, you know, goofy kind of loner guy down on his luck and his little wacky things he gets into. Um, yeah, but don't, uh, but don't do that because. Woody Allen is a terrible human being. <laughs> All right. And that takes care of us for this week. Uh, you can find us over at setfriendsclub.com, setfriendsclub on Twitter, uh, over at patreon.com, we're at patreon.com slash satfriendsclub, uh, where you can go ahead and join in with uh, all of our lovely friends that are over there. Don't, uh, donate exactly $3.14 and a half cents to us. Yes. Give us pie. Yes. Give us pie money. Um, and uh, yeah, they'll take care of us. Next episode is Sabrina's Choice. Sabrina did it again. Well, you shouldn't ask me to pick stuff for Christmas then. So what are we getting for Christmas this year, Sabrina? The year without without a Santa Claus. <gasps> well, that's not. That means that we don't get Christmas this year. You still get Christmas. Don't worry about oh, okay, it. Okay, sweet. Well, I'm ready to talk about this movie. All yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> so you guys can enjoy... A little bit of uh, of misering next episode uh, as we go ahead and deal with uh, the year without a Santa Claus. Uh, so uh, that takes care of us for this episode. Have a good week. Have a fun one. And we will catch you next week. Sleep well, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.